1 Corinthians 9. This Thursday, I'm not going to recap all that. I am going to share just a couple of scriptures. But we talked about running. How many like to run? Not walk. Okay, let me, that's a bad, because nobody probably likes to run, maybe. How many run? How many jog? How many? Man, not too many. Well, praise the Lord. So nobody likes to run, you know. Well, run spiritually, then. Praise the Lord. Running's good for you. Or walking. Walking fast. I'd rather run, though. You know, you get to where you need to go faster. You run. But, 1 Corinthians 9, are you there? Verse number 24, and I'm going to read it first out of the King James, and then out of the New Living, and then out of the Message. I'm going to read it out of three versions. So just listen. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? He said, Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You're running your own race. I can't run your race, you can't run my race. Now, we can run together because we're all in it together, but we're, we're in the race. We can all win the prize. In a regular race, only one person wins. But we're running our own race even though we're together. Does, does that make sense? So he's telling us, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. They run to get a prize. Now they used to get wreaths and they, you know, the prize was a wreath or, you know, now we give out medals, gold medals. But the, the, those, those wreaths, they would perish. But we're running a race to get the un, imperishable, something that will never perish. We're building rewards. We're building things, not only here on this earth, but we're building eternal rewards. And I think we forget about that sometimes. When you're running the race, you're not just running it for today, tomorrow, next week, next year. You are running for eternity. You understand that what you do here in the will of God, will you will build up rewards when you get to heaven. Amen. You might think the person with the biggest ministry, they might not have a lot of rewards. So why, why is it? Depending on their attitude, depending on what they're really supposed to be doing before God. You might have an old grandmother that sits in her rocking chair. She's 92, and she, or she's been sitting in that rocker for years. She's 92, but she prays. And when, when you come and visit her, when people come, she talks about Jesus. And, and you know what? That's what God had for her. And she's an intercessor. And she might be, you might think, my God, what did she do? In eternity, we might be looking. She was just an intercessor that nobody really knew about. But she was doing what God wanted her to do. Boy, that's, that's an imperishable crown. Therefore, <clears throat> Paul writes, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You don't ever want to be disqualified. When you preach to others, you minister to others, and then you're disqualified from the prize. That's horrible. Let me read it out of the New Living. 
He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run to what? Win. win. Run to what? Win. win. God wants you to win. Does that mean God doesn't like losers? We've all been a loser in the past. But God called us to be winners. Are you following me? And I understand if you're competing, there's only one person that wins. I know that. But see, once again, because we're running our race before God, we can all win. You're running, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Purpose. How in how many steps? Can you imagine? Run with purpose in every step that you take. It says run with purpose. That's why if you have purpose before you, if you're running for the eternal part, if you're running and your eyes are on Jesus, you you can go through almost well, I won't say almost anything. You can go through anything. Because you know he, he's though I may walk through, walk what? Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're walking through it. Just like we're talking about running the race, you're running through the finish line. You're not running to the finish line. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You're not staying there. You ever been in a bad neighborhood? I mean, I remember years ago, we were going to a concert. In Chicago, I think it was the Aragon Ballroom. Remember that place? I don't know if you remember that. I mean, it's not even there anymore. And we're on the way there, and there's a bunch of us young guys. I won't tell you what we were doing, but but the car gets a flat tire. We're on the Dan Ryan, I think, some or. Where, and it was, where, where we were at was not a real good neighborhood. And a couple of guys came by, and they stopped. They offered to help. Now, in the area, you're thinking, should we, you know, they might rob us. And that's our thing. There, I think there was four of us, four or five of us. Two went with them because they said, we'll take the tire. This was in the evening. And I'm thinking, God, where in the world do you get a tire fixed in the evening? I mean, you, I guess you could. <laughs> they took two, and, and the rest of us, it was either two or three of us stayed at the car. So either way, we're not. <laughs> but you know what? I wasn't even a believer now. But I believe God watched over us. They came back, got the tire fixed. We gave them, I won't tell you what we gave them for, for helping us. Just, you know, barter. saved and I was going to a concert. The barter system. Yeah, the barter system. Amen. <laughs> Get them some cattle. <laughs> and they were happy. We were happy. And then we went on, on, to, the, on to the concert. Now, what in the world was it? my Pardon? No, but what was I even talking about? 
I don't even know what point I'm trying to get to. Oh, run with purpose, maybe? I don't know. I discipline my whole body. Let's just keep going. I'm trying to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching others, I myself may be disqualified. Let me read it out of the message. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Caught napping. Caught napping on your faith. Go to Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 2. Talks about, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain unto us that he may run who reads that you have that you see something clearly. Write it down so that you can run and someone else can run who reads it. You will help another person run the race. I understand it. It's our race that we have to run before God. But you will help others run. How do you help others run? By not giving up, by persevering, by by getting closer to the Lord. Those that mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and will not faint. You mount up close to God. As eagles mount up close to the sun. And you'll run. You'll not be weary. You'll encourage someone else not to give up. If someone sees you give up, and, and they might think, oh man, if, if they're not, if they can't make it, I probably can't either. See, you're not, you're not just running for yourself. There's other people watching. I remember years and years ago, this was before I was in the ministry, I had somebody come up to me. Right after I got in the ministry, and they, they were saying, they said to me, I've been watching you during praise and worship. Nah, it's kind of, you've been watching me. Why are you watching me? Shouldn't you be worshiping God? That's what I thought. I didn't say that. You're watching me worship? Shouldn't you be worshiping? What are you watching me for? And they, they say, you know, just enjoy how you just you just raise your hand and you're just you're you got your eyes closed and you're just focusing. And it was an encouragement to them. Well, hopefully it was an encouragement to help them to then not watch other people and let them <laughs> worship God. But see, you're you're an encouragement to someone else. Be encouraged before God. You're an encouragement to someone else. Write the vision. Make it plain so that someone else can read it. They can run with endurance. They can run and get it done. Are you following me? And you like, like verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Things might seem like they're on hold. They're, but if you keep going, it will it will come to pass. It will open up. Hallelujah. It shall surely come. It will surely come. It will not tarry. Hallelujah. That's a promise from God. I do have points. I have four points. How many know that we're not going to get through those? <laughs> Number one, God is looking for courage and strength in the heart of his people. 
courage and strength. But he's not just looking for it. He infuses that into you and I. Amen. We have to have strength and courage. You know what the word courage means? Now, in the scriptures, when you see courage, sometimes it can mean a primitive root word to be alert. Physically on foot or mentally in courage. But out of the New Oxford American Dictionary, courage, the definite strength in the face of pain or grief. Strength in the face of pain or grief. That you have strength even when you're going through pain, going through grief, going through something. That you still have strength. Hey, look it up in another dictionary. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it, it, it's very similar. It means ability to conquer fear or despair. It's the ability to conquer fear or despair. Now, fear comes knocking. Despair may come, but it's somebody that overcomes that. They're not, you're, you're, you're able to conquer that. Fear is a spirit. It will come after you. It will knock on your door. It will try to get in your bedroom at night. It, it, but it's the ability to conquer it. Despair. When someone's in despair, man, they're, they're, they're hopeless. They're, they're in despair. No, that, that, that courage is the strength to overcome that. Okay. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. It's interesting. You read Joshua chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. And he talks. He tells. He tells Joshua. The Lord tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Not just once. Not just twice. I believe it's three times. In a span of a few verses. We'll start with verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Do you understand how he was with Moses? God showed him his glory. Actually, he said, I'll have my goodness pass before you. Do you understand that we have a more intimate relationship than Moses did? How in the world can you say that? Because Christ is in us. That's why I love reading. I've been reading, I've been studying the life of Joseph. <laughs> Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. That's number one. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Number two, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, you will have good success. Verse number 9. Number 3. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Now wait a minute. This is a one-way communication. Right? 
You don't see Joshua speaking at this point. Then why didn't verse 9, after he told him twice, then he said, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Why do you think that? This is my opinion, because as God's speaking to him, he could see it probably in his face. He could see that he wasn't getting it, that he was still fearful. And so he tells him a third time, have I not command? He, he said, I command you to be strong and, good, and of good courage. Do not be afraid or, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded an officer of the people, saying, then he, then he gives command to them. But isn't it? He said, have I not commanded you to be strong? You can conquer fear. You can conquer it. But just above that, he said, I'll be with you. I'll, I won't leave you. Why can you be strong? Why can you be correct? Because I'm right with you. I'm not leaving you. You're going with, I'm going with you. As I was with Moses, I'm going with you. As he was with Moses, as he was with Joshua, as he was with Joseph, as he was with Abraham, as he was with all those people, he's with you and I. Amen. In a greater capacity. Go to 1 Kings 2. First Kings chapter two. <clears throat> I'm going to read it. I like it better out of the New Living Translation. Let me read verses one through three <clears throat> out of the New Living Translation. It says, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. On earth must someday go. Take courage. Here's what he told him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Take courage and be a man. Ooh. You know, out of the out of the new living or out of the new King James. First Kings two verse Number two, it says, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. The New Living says, take courage and be a man. What's he saying? Don't be a sissy. <laughs> be a man. You know, you ever hear, you know, they used to say to boys, be a man, don't cry. You ever hear that before? Your father told you that? Yeah. I'm sure my dad told me too. You know, after... Uh, I won't, it's okay to cry. But don't be a baby. You ever cry? You know, many times you may cry alone. That's if I cry, usually it's going to be alone. It's going to be before God. But he's telling Solomon, be a man. Take courage. 
Look at verse 3. It says, Observe the requirements of the Lord, your God, and follow all His ways. Keep each of the laws, commands, regulations, and stipulations written in the law of Moses, so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Now, we know Solomon had some issues. He liked women. He had a lot of women. Lots and lots of women. Lots and lots and lots and lots of women. He had, I believe, over a thousand wives and concubines. He had a lot of women around. It was his downfall. They worshipped other gods. What happened to Solomon? He started giving in and started compromising what he was supposed to do before God. Started setting up different things for these other gods. And he backslid tremendously. But God told him, or David's telling him, be a man. Where do you think that he picked that up from, the women? David was like that. Well, okay. Enough of that. But God told him, God writes that he was a man after God's own heart. Wow. Because, remember, man looks at the exterior. God looks at the heart. But if God's looking at the heart, then the exterior changes too. Let me leave that. We'll get back to that because I want to continue on that. I want to... Let me cover one more point just a little bit. You put number two. As you run through the finish line, run what? Through it. You see, once you finish one race, guess what? You get through the finish line and immediately another race starts. It, 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 you, you don't... That's why you don't rest on your laurels. And you don't get so down in despair about things that you're so caught up on the past. As you run through the finish line, study and confess God's word continually. You hear, we talk about that all the time. But you know what? It, you have to do it continually. I was doing laundry yesterday. And after I washed it, I... They're not folding it. But because I've been <clears throat> studying Joseph, I, on my phone I had the Bible playing and just listening to Genesis 37, chapter 38, 39, 40, 40, you know, listening to the life of Joseph. I'm like, my God. It was, if you can't read at a particular time, listen to it. Are you following me? Get it in those gateways. 2 Timothy 2.15, and we, we know that verse. It says, study. Do what? Study. Study and confess God's word. Continue. Study to show yourself approved on God. A worker or a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't be ashamed. I'm not going to let some heathen talk me out of my faith in God. Someone that doesn't even believe in God. I'm not going to let somebody that, no, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to God. 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. We've already looked at that, but let me, let me read that. It says, in the, in the New Living, it says, study this book of the law continually. Do what? Study, study it continually. You have to continually be in the Word. I'm not telling you how long, how many hours, how many minutes, but just like you eat, how many, how many have fasted in the last 30 days? One person. I haven't fasted in the last 30 days. I will. But you eat. And you probably eat two to three to four to five, six meals a day. <laughs> they say you should eat many, especially if you're working out and that's, you know, in training. You should eat several meals a day. It helps keep your metabolism going, too. You realize that? People want to lose weight, but they only eat once or twice a day. <clears throat> and a lot of times they can't lose the weight. Eat smaller meals. Get that, that metabolism going. Eating breakfast is important. Sometimes I skip breakfast, but breakfast, you're breaking a fast. All right, let me not get into that. <laughs> Joshua 1.8, once again, study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that's written in it. Only then will you succeed. See, we want to succeed according to God's standard, not according to man's standard. When you succeed according to God's standard, you will, I can guarantee, you will succeed under most people's standards. Most. Because what will happen is, when, when, when you're obeying God, you might upset people because of, I won't, I'll call it holiness. Not that you're trying to be holier and you're, you know, oh, look at me, look at how pure I am compared to you. No, because that just comes across, because you're, you're not involved with those things and people think that you're trying to put them down or you get the picture. Stop. Go to Psalm 119. Verse 15, out of the New Living, because again, I'm looking at the word study. It says, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will study them. You know, we study for tests. We study for different things. We need to study the Word of God. Maybe we should quiz each other. Just a thought. That didn't go over real good. I wrote... Do not get lazy and lackadaisical on your faith and confession. Why? God truly wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Don't get lazy, lackadaisical. I looked up the word lackadaisical. Lacking enthusiasm and determination. Carelessly lazy. My second, or I have another point, which we won't get. It's be determined to run through the finish line. You be determined. You are determined to win. You are determined to run through that finish line. The tortoise and the hare. You ever see a tortoise run? I don't know what the difference between running and, and walking for a tortoise. I don't. They have one speed. It's slow. Just... But you didn't hurt the tortoise and the hare. Who won that race? The tortoise. Why? 
and the rabbits are zinging all over the place, running, but he'd go out in the woods. You know, he'd, he'd get distracted and off the path. <laughs> it's a good story. Tor just kept moving, kept going forward, kept running the race. And he won. Isn't that something? You, you know, you can, you can outlast people. Because people just, they'll, they'll disqualify them. They'll fall by the wayside. You've seen it happen many times. They just fall back. You just keep going. And per, before you know, even on a job, you can, if you just keep going, have a right attitude, people do many times disqualify themselves. My bad attitude, they quit. They, and all of a sudden, you're, still, you're faithful. And all of a sudden, they're looking at you. And they want, are, are you following me? Because... Don't be lackadaisical. Let me give you that definition again. Lacking enthusiasm and determination. Carelessly lazy. Wow. You know, in this past year, we can probably say that many of us, maybe all of us, have at times put up with wrong thoughts. Right? Wrong words. Letting words come out that we shouldn't say. Saying something that, wait a minute, I don't, do you believe that? Or do you believe this? We say things many times we don't, and we don't even catch ourselves. No, you speak in faith. You speak what God has to say. So I love that woman, that Shunammite woman. She said, all is well. And then she told the prophet, finally. And the prophet raised that child through the power of God from the dead. Because he promised, he, or she was promised a child. See, God, when God makes a promise, you think now he's going to pull the rope from under, or pull the rug from under you? Well, you got a little bit, now I'm going <coughs> to trick you. No, God doesn't trick you. The enemy wants to deceive you. Go to go to James three. We'll close. We'll look more at this too. James three. Sometimes we need to be reminded. That's why you go over the scripture. Sometimes you gotta go over them many times. You hear the scripture, you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it. And you think, I don't want to hear that no more. But the more you hear it, the more God can, can do those things in your heart that he wants to do. Amen. Give you revelation and understanding that will help you. James chapter 3, verse number 2. Are you ready? It says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or a mature man, also able also to bridle the whole body. We can bridle our bodies by our tongue. Did you? God doesn't lie. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. 
Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. My goodness. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. God says no man can tame the tongue. We need the help of the Spirit of God to tame our tongue so that we can, we can speak what's right and, and say those things in faith what are right. We need the help of the Spirit of God. That's why praying in tongues is so powerful. Because you're literally putting a bit in your mouth and you're speaking exactly the will of God at that moment. It says in verse 9, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brother, and these things ought not to be so. What's he want to do? Speak blessing. Don't curse yourself. Cursing isn't just swearing. Cursing is saying something contrary to what God is saying. Person. You know, you look at the, the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament. As, as Jacob was dying, Israel was dying, he tells all the children to come. He starts speaking over them. Then he tells Joseph, Joseph brings his two sons. Israel starts speaking over them, prophesying. Joseph stops him because he started proclaiming a blessing over the youngest, not the older one. Because the, 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 the older would get the blessing. They would get, it was the eldest son. Joseph stops his father and says, wait a minute. You're saying this to the about to the younger one. You need to say that. And he said, oh, no. No. Because the younger one, they're both going to do this and that. But it's the younger one who will do more, who will be blessed. You read it. Proclaim what? Blessing. Remember when, when um, Jacob deceived his father? His brother Esau is out there. He's a hunter. Hairy guy. Loved to hunt. Isaac liked that. Liked game. So, Jacob dresses up, puts fur or whatever on his arms and that, and he said, you smell like Esau. You, you feel like Esau, but what you're saying, you don't sound like him. And he deceived him. He deceived his father. His father gives him the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. You know the story, right? Yeah. Esau finds out about it. 
goes to the, his father, goes to Isaac, and Isaac could not reverse it. Don't you think that's, to me, that's crazy. Okay, you spoke to the wrong son, just change it. That's how powerful, when they released that, they, they couldn't change it. Think about that. And then, Jacob's running, you, you know, he's afraid of Isaac. He's just afraid of Esau for years. Well, one time Esau wanted to kill him. But see, the, the, the power of the blessing is so powerful they couldn't reverse it. Remember Balaam? The, he wasn't backslidden, he was just a heathen. But he said, what well, God blessed, I can't change that. God said something, I can't change that. Think about that. So, when God says something, no heathen, no demon can change it. What changes is us, how we believe, and what we say. This year, I'll be determined and, and run. As you run through the finish line, you're studying and you're confessing the word of God continually. Amen. Continually. The power of God's word. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That's pretty powerful. Remember, Balaam said, has he not said it, and will he not fulfill it? If he said it, God is faithful. Gave Joseph dreams. Brought him to bow down. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. But how he got there was a mess. What we would call a mess. But God didn't forget. God was with Joseph. Goes to Potiphar's home. He's in command. Second in command there. I was going to talk about, maybe tonight, about what happened with um, Potiphar's wife. Gets thrown in jail. Gets accused of doing something in jail. Gets thrown into prison. The Bible says God was with him. He was second in command of Potiphar. Potiphar was chief of the guards. He was... He went from there to being second in command in the whole nation. They threw him in prison. They lied. His wife lied about him. God takes him and makes him second in command. You, you know what? You know what that shows me? You can't stop. If we'll walk with God, you can't stop the will of God. No devil, no person can you might get you might take a weird roadway, it might lead, it might be crazy, but you know what? With God all things are possible and he'll work it out. Hallelujah. What his brothers meant. He said, You meant it for evil, but God turned it and meant it for good that we would be saved through that. He saved the whole nation of Israel. From one boy, young man, who is sold into slavery by his brothers, 
God saves an entire nation. What is the chances of that? Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm done. That's it. <laughs> Promise. When he was sold into slavery to the Midianites, or actually to the Ishmaelites, did Joseph speak their language? No. He sold into slavery. He doesn't even speak the language. In a period of time, Potiphar buys him. He learns the language. But all through, God's with him. Why? Because he kept running the race. You don't see one time that Joseph complained. Does that mean he never complained? I have to say that he, he might have had thoughts, but he never he never let it out. Why? Because don't you think God would record it? We know the good, the bad, and the ugly about it. I mean, God doesn't hide things. I can infer because jo Joseph, what a man of God he was. He ran the race. You talk about against all odds. Against all this trash that came against him. God is with you. He's with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today, Lord. Lord, you are faithful. We thank you, Lord, for running to victory. This is our year. We are comeback players of the year. Glory. Lord, thank you that you're strengthening us with, with might and unity. That we would know the height, the width, the depth, and the length, the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.